Welcome, welcome to welcome, season welcome two to season of two Kicking Grass. Kicking yes, we made it to a second season. second season. I am your host, am your host David, the David, original David. Lobo Verde. And joining me today is a good friend, Harry Austin, who you've kept up with from last season. What's up, Harry? Not much. What's going on with you, David? Oh, just hanging in there trying to make it through another year of uh, MLS USL action here. Uh, our listeners will notice... Uh, a missing voice today, which would be Rob Novak. Uh, Rob has stepped back for a little while, so I appreciate you coming on, Harry, and being my second. Hey, no worries. Thank you. And uh, Rob, you're always welcome. I'm sure we'll get you back into the swing either um, if you've converted to uh, the dark side, uh, Austin FC, or if you've uh, I doubt converted he's to the good side to uh, San Antonio FC. <laughs> uh, but... I kind of doubt he's done that either, so that's yeah, why I, I think the problem he'll was. remain neutral on both, uh, which is not a bad thing here. Um, Certainly not. He's not FC Fort Worth at this point. Yeah, so I know he's bit. He, I know he's busy with what roughing and and with his normal job and family. So uh, for that here, but no, thank you for the invite. Like I said here, it's it's always fun to kind of talk soccer in the United States, and you know, especially here in Texas, Copa Tejas. Um, you know, like I said here, I know you'll be the more Austin-centric uh, voice, um, you know, for that here. And uh, I do follow MLS. Uh, you know, it's, I have what I say a complicated relationship with MLS where <laughs> I don't mind the clubs, even Austin FC. Uh, you know, I can't say I'm rooting for them by any means. Um, but I do keep up with them and, and, you know, I'll just go ahead and minute one of my biggest complaints is we're in the Austin FC market for TV coverage, and yet you cannot find them on TV. So um, personally for me, probably not a huge driver, but if you wanted to watch, you know, I watch the matches, you know, for that here with it being blocked out, you know, you can't watch it on ESPN plus. So where to me that that's a big issue when it is when it comes to Copa Teos time when Austin faces either Dallas or Houston, if you're in the San Antonio area, you cannot technically watch it on TV. And I know Austin FC comes back saying, hey, you can walk, watch it on the website. Still, it, it's – it's if, if you're going to be an MLS team and claim Austin, or claim San Antonio as your, as your TV market, and to be fair, San Antonio did the same thing. So it's – you know, both markets, both markets did it saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And if I, if I was in Austin, I would be complaining about the same thing if San Antonio was an MLS team and blocked you out from watching, you know, your MLS team of choice if it's not San Antonio, if they were facing, and you have to go to the San Antonio website, it would be, a, I would be complaining the same way just because if, you know, if, if you're going to be a D1 team um, and you're going to claim a market, <laughs> and let's be honest with you, we know why they're doing it because San Antonio um, and Austin are, in my opinion, heading to be another Metroplex uh, for that here. So when you combine those two marketplaces, it's, it's very attractive. Yeah, and I totally get that complaint. I would be screaming my head off if it was, if it was the opposite scenario. So I totally get that. I don't understand 
what's going on, why you can't watch it on TV in San Antonio if they just haven't been able to set up a contract or exactly what the issue is for getting Austin FC games on in San Antonio. Why hasn't that happened? I don't know if you have an answer for that or if it's just oh, above sure our pay grade. I know it's above our pay grade. So I have kind of two theories. One, one I wonder if pre if pre court can't find the TV down here that's willing to air the matches, you know, just you know, kind of going through that old school thinking of where TVs don't want to air coverage on it. Although, and and I've complained about San Antonio as well. Why aren't they on like you know CW thirty five here in San Antonio? Because I think that's who you guys are on up in Austin as a CW station. And a lot of and, and I know we're seeing a lot of cross-pollination, um, especially on sports radio, where, you know, it's, you know, um, you know, Ticket 76, Ticket 760, it partners with a uh, radio show, ESPN, or not ESPN, um, non-ESPN radio show up in Austin. And they, you know, it's, you know, the Chris Dool Shore uh, show, you know, has a lady from, um, you know, one, one of the hosts is from Austin. I forget her name, drawing blank right now. Um, but so you're seeing that there. So I don't, I personally don't understand why, why they can't, can't do it. Um, my other thing here is, and this is probably more my tinfoil uh, hat theory is that there's <laughs> some agreement between San Antonio FC, Austin FC and MLS that Austin FC won't air its games in San Antonio, even though they're in that marketplace for X amount of time. That's, that's just, that's my thing here where, you know, because right or wrong, MLS did do San Antonio wrong um, by not being upfront with them about the Austin clause. Um, and I'm not saying that Austin or San Antonio or Austin would or wouldn't have got a team without that clause. Um, Cause I do think Garber, Garber liked um, Austin but I still wonder if push came to shove if he would have pulled the trigger without that clause on there. So, and to be honest with you, Austin fans, you know, showed up and, you know, they keep showing up and, you know, like I said here, you know, I know for my pocketbook, I enjoy the USL prices <laughs> compared to your MLS prices, yeah. but um, a game or two going up to Q2 or, you know, going over to uh, Houston or up to Frisco, uh, you know, like I said here, I'll, I'll spread my MLS dollars around uh, for that here. But, well, you can get cheaper to uh, Dynamo or FC Dallas games than you can to the San Antonio matches. I don't know. There were some cheap tickets late in the year. For San for Antonio? Austin. No, for Austin. Austin FC, towards the end of the year, ticket prices were a lot more reasonable than they were at the beginning of the year. So, Well, we didn't have the $9.11 ticket on 9-11. <laughs> Thank you for that, Houston Dynamo. I will never let you live that one down. So, I know, you know, we're, we're going to start with Houston. Um, we're going to kind of do a preview here. Um, your thoughts on what the Dynamo have done? They've got a new owner, got a new coach, a new GM. They're spending some money. Uh, there's rumors of possibly, what was it, Hector, uh, Hector Herrera. Of, oh, right, uh, the rumors of possibly trying to offer Hector Herrera to come in to play for the Dynamo. Um, so, I'm not sure 
I buy, I buy that as a strong possibility, but they certainly have floated the concept at least. But that's not something, at least with the previous ownership, that you would see. Um, is them trying to go after. And I think if they were able to pull it off, I think it would have as big a deal with people in the stands than production on, on the pitch. And it's not to say that, you know, uh, Hector isn't a, a great player, because obviously, obviously he is, but he's a little bit older. Um, and to me, for Houston, like I said here, I've always complained that they haven't brought in a name a named guy um, for that here. They've brought in some some mid level guys where you kind of know, but they're not a a name brand for that here. If they brought in Hector Herrera, you know, especially you know you with, with the Hispanic population in there, that's going to draw and that's going to open up some eyes. So. Um, your thoughts on number one, you know, Houston. It sounds like you don't think it'll happen, but your thoughts on Houston's offseason and where you kind of see them fitting at this point? Well, even if it does happen, I'm not sure it changes my opinion too much on the Dynamo. I think they've made some moves, they've done what they needed to do. I mean, you're kind of starting over mm -hmm. as the Houston Dynamo this season. So you're cleaning house, you're changing changing the director, first of all, and then getting in a new coach and then trying to shore up the roster because let's be fair, they were the worst team in the Western Conference last season. And they are consistently not a very good team. I think Houston Dynamo is Houston Dynamo. They are what they are. They will be similar this year to where they've been. I don't see the changes that they've made making a huge difference. I think you probably disagree with me on that. Um, oh, but we'll save that towards the end here. Sure, but I don't – I see them fighting for the bottom of the West again this year. I don't see that great of an improvement that they've made. And until they show me that they're going to be better than they have been, I don't buy it. It's kind of what I was told – I come from a gambling family. I'm from Louisiana, so I'm told don't ever bet against the street because you'll win consistently and you'll only be wrong once. So I don't ever bet against the streak when it comes to Houston Dynamo. They're bad and they're going to be bad. And I will do that until they prove me wrong. And every year they prove me right. One year, they'll be good. But I just don't believe it's going to be this year. I think if they're in this rebuilding mode, which clearly they are, and if there's an actual commitment to building a winning franchise, it's not going to be done overnight. It's not going to be a one-year turnaround. It will be something that will take three years to get there. So I don't think the moves that they're making this off season will show up in 2022. I think you're looking at two or three years down the road. I don't think they're a playoff team. And we'll, we'll get to how Copa Teos will shake out and, and kind of the order of the Texas teams here. Um, I have a feeling you and I will have some disagreements. Um, I don't know if we'll disagree with number one, but I think who finishes bottom will, will probably will probably be um, a, a disagree, uh, you know, probably a disagreement here. But probably, I, I just think for Houston, you know, in listening to like Generation Orange and listening to uh, you know Victor Ariza with with the Striker Texas and, and a couple of other podcasts, you know, from the Houston area, there's there's a there's a buzz around that team that hasn't been there. 
And part of it is, you know, hey, they, you know, they brought in Pat Onstat, you know, they brought in the new coach, you know, sporting Kansas City's uh, coach, uh, um, Noriago or something like that here, who's a young, unproven coach, kind of similar to Austin, um, although he does have some coaching experience with sporting Kansas City too, um, along those lines. I just, I... I don't think that they're, I, I think they're going to surprise some people. I could be wrong, probably am. Um, but I, I think Houston, you know, I, I think Houston's going to do better than most people think uh, for it, especially later on in, in the year. I think their growth potential is a little bit better because I do think Houston will bring, you know, with the new ownership, they do seem like that they're, they're committed to bringing in bigger name players um, than they have been in the past. And I wonder, and I don't know if you can quite say that, you know, with with Austin and FC Dallas is, is will, will, will be kind of an interesting discussion because of all the money that they have got recently uh, for them bringing, bringing people in. So that'll be for the Dynamo here. Um, the next team that we're going to be talking about here is going to be um, FC Dallas. Um, FC Dallas. Uh, has brought in um, Argentine forward Alan uh, Velasco uh, on a record deal. They also brought in Paul Oriola and Jesus Ferreira is the new forward since uh, Ricardo Pepe um, cashed out. However, they also have a new coach and Nico Estevez uh, mm-hmm. for that here. So your thoughts on FC Dallas. Again, I think I'm not a big Paul Ariola fan. Let's start with that. So I'm not sure that that, move, sure that, that move does a whole lot for me. Lot for me. Of course, they are of course they making are an attempt to sign a big name a U.S. Big national, name, team, US player national team player to, to take that next step with a new coach coming in. I think they'll be I better they'll than, be than better they were last year. I think there was some issues there with their coaching with their last, coaching season. last season and, and just kind of a direction and focus of that team that I think cost them. I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. I think last year was the aberration. I think this year they'll get back to that fighting for a playoff spot. I think the offseason moves have been good. The problem with FC Dallas has been, and again, what I said about Houston, I'll say for Dallas as well, they are who they are until they show me they aren't. And what FC Dallas is, is a team that creates bright, young talent through the academy, places them on the first team. They do great at the beginning of the season. Then they sell off their best players halfway through the season. And then they tank it towards the end. They get to the playoffs and they flame out. That is who Dallas has always been. (laughs) I am not convinced that they've turned over a new leaf and are going to do anything different this year than they've done for the last 25 years. So until they show me that they're different, I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to start out really well. I think they'll have some bright, young, promising, talented players. Uh, I'll be shocked if they all make it to the end of the season. And if they sell off their best players during the season, I think they'll tank toward the end. They might make the playoffs and then go out in the first round. That's kind of my prediction of Dallas because that's who I think they are as a, as a franchise. I, so 
I probably have a different view of Dallas. Um, I think Dallas is going people forget that Dallas was thought of as a playoff team last year. And they are right. preseason. I totally believe they would be in the playoffs. Well, I think even the year, what, 2019, so that last year was 2021, 2020, that, you know, and, and it's kind of that, that issue with FC Dallas where, you know, they're good for a half a season. It depends. Hey, you know, is it the first part? And then they cool off at the, the second half, or is it, you know, do they have that second half push that makes you think, okay, hey, they're finally, uh, finally turning, the, turning, uh, turning the, uh, um, you know, you know, turning it, turning it around. I think so, uh, you know, and I haven't published my power rankings out yet, but I'm, I'm going to be putting out my own power rankings for. MLS and USL and NISA and uh, I'm even going to do MLS next pro just, you know, cause I can, um, I think Dallas Creek uh, sneaks into the playoffs as the seventh seed. They'll be right in the hunt. I think they're going to be a team that jumps up this year. Their owner, uh, with the, you know, it seems like with the hunts, they're finally at least short term looking to make a commitment. And I think as you mentioned here, because one, I think because they have to, because they got all that money from, you know, from the Pepe deal, you just can't sit on that type of money. Um, you have to invest. You can't. <laughs> they certainly have before. Not the twenty million that they got from him and others. I, or, I just, they, I just, or they've made I, a move like Frank Ohada. I mean, that's kind of what they do. Is they when they try to spend the money that they get from these sales, Reggie Cannon, just go down the list. They right, usually but, bust with their signings. But let's be honest, and this goes both for Houston and Dallas. Um, let, let's just be honest. With how Austin FC came in, people will show up for, you know, and, and to be fair, Houston has shown up before as well. And I think even in the past, people have shown up in, in Dallas. Yeah, they've never really shown up in Dallas. <laughs> I'm trying to give I'll them take, credit back. I'll back take issue with that one. Because I've heard in the Cotton Bowl years it was a little bit better than than, than moving up to Frisco. Um, that but I, that I I agree with. I was a season ticket holder from '96 on. Showed up at the Cotton Bowl. That was a much better um, attendance so, wise. I think that was a better showing for FC Dallas before they moved up north. But I have to say. There was no Houston Dynamo at the time, and there were a lot of fans that made the drive up 35 from San Antonio and Austin that were helping fill that stadium somewhat that don't do that anymore. So for a multitude of reasons, the competition with the SAFC in Houston and Austin, but also because of I-35, you know how that is. Right. There's no possible way I would do that 12 times a year like I did back in the 90s. That's right. just not possible anymore. But I do think, though, and this is all credit to, to Austin FC and, and the fans of Austin, is they've they've created a market to where if they don't start putting a quality team on the pitch, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I wasn't there, but, you know, that, that first match between Austin FC and Dallas, you know, where, where Los Verdes and the Anthem, you know, took mm-hmm. over Bucky's and stuff like that. 
that you know even as a san antonio fc fan that was exciting to watch uh, exciting to see and, and you had that you had that rooting interest um for that here so i can see where dan you know i think it's dan hunt sees what austin fc has and, and you know we'll get to austin here in a minute but if they could put out a quality uh product their attendance has to get better now it's the problem with Dallas is it's going to take time because they, you know, the commitment to the first team has not been there. So how can you expect the fans to have that same commitment to the first team uh, along those lines? So that's a fair question. I think for Houston, you know, the change of ownership, um, you know, it cracks me up that, you know, you know, when you talk to, you know, Houston, Houston podcasts and, 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 you know, along those lines that, well, Houston is small part market. I'm sorry, but Houston is not small market. It's what the third <laughs> no. largest city in the United States, or third or fourth largest city, you know, right up there with New York, Chicago, um, and Los Angeles. There right. is lots of money in in Houston. Houston sells out the Texans, sells out the Astros, sells out the Rockets. You now, typically, you know, there's a lot of bandwagon fans on there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, when, when they do well. It's a sellout. It's a must-have ticket. When they don't do well, just like you know, in any major major sports town, the average fan won't go. So there is a market. The stadium that they have is on a, you know is downtown in a good location right next you know right near Minute Maid Park. Unlike Frisco, which is not in a convenient. I didn't think it was that bad, but I don't live there, and as a way fan, not a huge deal. But no, it's, it's god awful. It's, it's a horrible location. I well, if I'm driving from San Antonio, if I'm driving from San Antonio <laughs> up to Dallas, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, <laughs> it's all this. It's a five, six-hour drive with the kids. So, you know, you know, to me that was wasn't you know, wasn't a deal breaker. But if you live in there, it's 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 not the most easiest easiest stadium to get to, and, and that's the biggest. Thing. I do think, from my understanding uh, and listening to other, you know, other Dallas, uh, FC Dallas podcasts, it is starting to fill in a little bit more in that area. So I'll be interested to see if they can put a quality product on there. If if their attendance will will go. So the last team in uh, Copa Teos uh, MLS is Austin FC. So I'll start this one here. Okay. Because. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get the hate mail, and I've already tweeted it out. I don't think Austin's <laughs> going to be very good this year. I don't see any improvement from last year. Um, the defense is going to be, defense is good. The defense they have brought in some players, but they're they're unproven. Um, you know, with, with that, with uh, Johan Valencia and Ruben uh, Gabrielson. And and I think the best I think the best center back that they got is actually Kip Keller from the draft. I think he's going to be the right. one that I think st starts. And then I'm assuming it's probably going to be Johan that's that's with you know that that starts with him. Well, so, Johan Valencia is more I think going to be a, a like a CDM a defensive midfield oh, so player. He's not going to be a center back. So then it's just you know maybe so that it you know, it makes it even worse for me. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I know I get your point. I get your point. So, but center back's a major weakness. It, it it is, and I love Kip. And like I said here, how he fell, how he fell to uh, Austin. You know, I'll give Austin cre credit here. You know, last year that you know they ended up getting the best player in the draft, um, and it wouldn't shock me. And if down the road with you know Kip Keller 
I'm not saying he's Walter Zimmerman, but it wouldn't shock me if he had that kind of career um, before that here, just because, you know, you know, listening to the guys, uh, you know, that, you know, do a St. Louis podcast that followed uh, the St. Louis soccer scene. He was a can't miss prospect. And, and, you know, uh, for that here, my issue is who's scoring the goals. Are you really depending on Max Uretti, you know, the guy that's, you know, been with Dallas, Houston, and Austin and, and other places that's, what, 30-something now? 31. What happened to, was it Musa Dejiti? I'm sorry if I missed. Yeah, Musa Jite, he's still there. But he's not he's not starting, right? I, I keep, you know, now I, I can't see the games and I haven't watched them. And, of course, I don't know if you've been able to watch them as well. From my understanding, he didn't start against the 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 match against uh, Atlas, you know, that, which ended one one uh, this past week. Here, is it? Isn't he the same guy that had fitness issues last year? That reportedly had fitness issues last year. Well, based on our discussions, that <laughs> <laughs> uh, he took for they signed him, but he took what six eight weeks to show up. He is the player that they signed and it took about six weeks for him to show up because of visa issues. And then after he showed up, took another six weeks or so before he saw the field, uh, which is when fitness was cited as the reason. And then went the rest of the season looking really, really good and dangerous, but never playing 90 minutes. So I'm not sure what to tell you about all of that, except that that's what happened last year. And people can debate why that happened, but that is the same striker. Yes. So the strikers are with a one striker setup, it's going to be Maxi Uruti and, and Musajite. Those are your two options. Who basically. are you having started? The journey and Hosen would be player the over your DP. Who am I? Well, this is where we get into the question: Who am I having start, or who is Wolf having start? Because those well, are not the Austin same. Here. Yeah, let, let's be honest. You're right. the uh, on this podcast. You're the Austin insider. You're the season ticket holder for uh, Austin FC. Um, I'll catch a match or two, but I am by no means an expert. Expert. I do listen to the Striker Texas. I, I do catch you know a couple of the others, uh, or probably Moon Tower Soccer, which is part of the Striker Texas. I do catch, you know, quite a bit of, you know, um, the, the podcasts, uh, you know, from, you know, from Austin FC and stuff. So I have a decent, you know, from an outsider's view, a decent idea of kind of how Austin FC fans are feeling, um, mm-hmm. which I, I, I know just on social media right now, a lot of them are thinking playoffs, which I'm like, you know, we're going to get to that in a little bit here, but I just don't see it, I, and we haven't even well, got into I, the number. We haven't even got into the number one issue of Austin FC, <laughs> right. and that's your sore spot. Correct. But if you're asking from an Austin perspective, who do we in Austin expect our coach to start at the striker position this season? It's going to be Maxi Ruti. That is the perception. All indications are that Maxi Uruti is going to be our starting striker. In fact, you even had uh, them going out on Twitter when they were talking about Golden Boot, who's going to win the Golden Boot, Austin FC player, saying it's going to be Maxi Uruti. Well, that tells you right there who 
the team understands to be our starting striker. It's going to be Maxi Uruti. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love, love, love Maxi Uruti. I've loved him since he was at Dallas. I thought Dallas getting rid of him was just an awful move, but it was a typical Dallas thing to do. Um, and I think he's a great MLS player, but as you said, he's 31 years old. So I don't think Maxi Uruti in 2022 is the same Maxi Uruti from five years ago. And that's the issue. And he's no, and there's no universe where he's a better starting striker than Musajite. Again, without me being in the practices and unless there's something we don't know about, which was the same thing we said last year. If there's some unknown something going on with Musajite, then that might change the scenario. But I saw them both play last year, and Musajite is a better striker today than Maxi Uruti is. Now, you can't go through a season with one striker, so I'm very, very happy that after going most of the year last year with zero strikers, at least we have two this year that are pretty decent, in my opinion, strikers. So when you ask me where the goals are coming from, that's not my biggest concern with Austin FC, to be honest. I know some people, um, and I think you're one of those, are questioning that. And I get that, but I, I'm not worried about the goal scoring this season um, with those two as our striker combination, rotate them, one subs in for the other, however you want to do it. I personally think Maxi Uruti would be a great second half off the bench type striker option when the other team's worn down. So if it were me, I would start Musajite. And so, I would put Maxi Uruti in normally as a second half sub. You, you know, you're always going to have to rotate that some point mm -hmm. in the season. But as a general starting striker, I would go with Jite. So just kind of looking at it here is the reason why he's at least favored to start is because of Dominguez and Rusi just uh, on how, cause they're more on the wing play, right? Um, Drew is probably going to be our center um, attacking mid uh, Cecilio will be out wide and probably Diego Fagundes on the other side. But do you think Maxi works better with those compared to the other striker or no? I really can't say that. I don't – on paper, I don't see that. Um, there might be some chemistry issue there or something. But I thought – honestly, I thought Musajite worked extremely well last – the very end of last year and the limited time we saw it together with those – that combination with – Cecilio Dominguez, I did not think had a great season last year, but the combination with Driussi and Fagundes and 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 Gite I thought was outstanding in the limited minutes that we got to see it. So I'm not sure. Well, I'll take this. I'll walk that back one one step and say, the perception I believe my perception certainly, and I think a lot of the fans' perception is there's just some misfire between Coach Wolf and Musajite where Wolf wants Uruti to start. It has it has more to do with Jite than it has to do with Uruti. I think Maxi's kind of by default at that point. 
So let's talk. And I about... cannot give an explanation beyond that. It just—it's kind of like last season, what we saw with Pochettino. Obviously, Wolf and Pochettino were not on the clicking. Same page. Yeah, and so I, it seems out. like there's some of that going on between Wolf and Gite, and I can't—I have no explanation for it. So, to me, the biggest reason why I kind of question, and this is going to go back to you, the, and we've already seen it on social media, Wolf In, Wolf Out. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a huge discussion, especially at the end of last year, um, through the offseason, obviously, Austin FC's Wolf In, because he's still the coach. But... Yeah. To me, I want to see how much he's improved. Because um, if if he's if he's learned on the steps that he does to kind of correct the mistakes that he made last year, um, right? And some of them were self-inflicted, like you know, getting a win, going up to FC Dallas and doing a, a complete roster uh, rotation on a Copa Teos match. To me, that's that's a self-inflicted wound that. You know, you could have self-rotated. I think Colorado was the next match or, you know, um, I forget where it was in sequence. Um, Just the steps that he's done to improve. Um, Obviously, Claudio Reyna, he made a change when he was at New York City from, you know, year one to year two. This time, him, he did not. Uh, So I know you're not the biggest uh, Wolf fan um, for that here. So your thoughts on what what Wolf needs to do to be successful, um, you know, to, to keep to keep his job? Because I, I think it, I think his seat could be very could be warm very quickly. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I do believe he could be in trouble this year, halfway through the season, if Austin FC is not significantly better than they ended up last year. So what he needs to do, can he do it? I'm not convinced of that, obviously. Um, Because of the problems I saw last year, I don't know if they're totally correctable. But I do think there are some advantages that he has going into year two. And I do believe Austin FC will be better than they were last year. I think they underperformed their talent last year. And a lot of that, in my opinion, had to do with the coaching. I don't believe there was any pressure on Wolf at all last year to get wins and losses. I think that is significantly different this year. I, by all appearances, Wolf coached with that perspective last year as well. He knew from his coaching decisions that the ultimate wins and losses weren't going to make or break his job. And I think that this year that's different. I think he's going to have the pressure of needing to rack up some points and some wins and not make the mistakes like he did last year. I think one of his biggest problems last year, to be honest, and it's something that I don't think has been talked about enough is that it was a COVID impacted year. Mm-hmm. The schedule was very condensed. There were a lot more games in a much shorter span of time. So where there was shorter rest periods and a lot of two games in a week, three games in eight days type scenarios. And I, 
believe that's where Wolf struggled the most. I mean, you mentioned it with the Dallas game. I don't think he knew how to handle rotation of players and resting in those type of situations where you were traveling and playing three games in eight days and you couldn't travel till the day of the game and things of that nature. I think that completely threw him off. Whereas a coach that's been around for a while in the league handled it much better. He's not going to have that same problem this season. I think the, the scheduling is spaced out a lot more where the rest issues, the fitness issues and the rotation issues won't come up and bite him like they did last season. Mm-hmm. So he's got that advantage. And you just have the natural year one to year two improvement. He had a complete from scratch roster to work with last year. At least this season, he has been able to effectuate some of the changes that he's seen in the roster. So now it's kind of on him. If he didn't like Pochettino, well, Pochettino's not there anymore. He's been able to make some of those changes if he wanted a striker like Uruti, he got Maxi Uruti to come in. So he's been able to tweak that and get more players into fitting his system, which was I, which was another one of his detriments I thought last season was just this stubbornness of not taking your talent and maximizing that performance of your talent. He took what he had and tried to square peg and a round hole it with his system and force everyone to do exactly what he wanted with no freedom of, of play. And I thought that was a real problem last season. So I think the roster is built a little bit more in accordance with his system. So he won't have that much as many problems with that this year as he did last year. And he won't have the rotation and rest problems. So I think just by all of that, there's going to be an improvement. Now, the problem is how much of an improvement? Is he still going to be stubborn and insisting on playing out of the back if the talent isn't there, playing, not putting your best 11 on the field for whatever reason, just because you want to fit certain players and fit certain system and do it that way? I think that's my concern with Wolf is he hasn't shown me that he's adaptable in any sense of that word adaptable. That is not the word I would use to describe Josh Wolf. And I don't believe you can go through a season in MLS without adapting to your players, your personnel, your competition, and just kind of the rhythm of the season. I think all coaches, all good coaches adapt. I haven't seen him be able to do that. I'm not convinced he can. That's where I think, Austin FC might have some issues this year. So Copa Teos. Um, yes. Two matches in, in April, April 23rd and 30th. So April 20, 23rd, Houston travels uh, to Dallas. April 30th, Austin travels to uh, Houston Dynamo. Uh, then the next match is June 25th, where Dallas travels down to Austin. And then it wraps up, and I hate this by MLS, but it wraps up by mid-July, July 9th. Right. Uh, Dallas trans- tra- travels to Houston. Houston on the 12th, three days later, travels to Austin. And that was on the 12th. And then four days later, uh, Austin travels up to FC Dallas. So I'll give you my predicted order. Um, I think Dallas, once again, is 
is going to win the Copa Teos uh, for that here. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they have it wrapped up by, you know, July 9th, uh, you know, because they'll play Houston twice and Austin, um, uh, you know, for that here, especially if they can beat Austin in uh, Q2 Stadium uh, for that here. If not, you know, Austin FC kind of controls its 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 destiny because, they, you know, they play – uh, you know, the last last two matches uh, for that here. Yeah, against Dallas and, and against Houston uh, for that year. So I'm going to go uh, FC Dallas. I'm going to do Austin in second um, and the Dynamo in a close third, uh, you know, at, at the trail for that here because I do think Houston's going to be better later on in the year. Um, in the second half of the season, and, and I think for Copateas that, that really hurts them. I think Houston, I think Dallas is going to get off to a, a better start just because I think their talents. T- right now, I think the the Dallas talent um, amount that they have is greater than than Houston and Austin at this point. Uh, you know, for that here, so I'm going to go Dallas, Austin, and Houston in order of the Copateas uh, for there here. And like I said, it wouldn't shock me if Dallas has got it wrapped up by July 9th. Your thoughts? I would love to fight you on this, but I actually completely agree with that. I think that's my expectation as well. So it just Austin and I think Austin's I think Austin and Houston both could be surprises. You know, you know, I think Houston's gonna be better. You think Austin's gonna be better. Um, both of them have to prove it to us. Um, but I think talent wise, I think Dallas, you know, like I said here, we'll, we'll have, we'll have the, uh, have the edge when it comes to Copa Teos, um, you know, for that here. So, yeah, I, I don't want people to forget Dallas has been almost its entire existence, a perennial playoff team. Yes. Last year was the exception. Last year was just a horrible season by FC Dallas standards for them. So I expect them to get back to that seven spot in the West. Yeah. That's where I have them is, is the last, last playoff spot, in, you know, uh, in, 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 in MLS uh, for that here. Um, I'll, I'll just say I have Nashville winning the West uh, um, over, over, uh, over Seattle. Cause I think those are going to be the two class, um, you know, I, I think Sporting Kansas City, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Minnesota United, and Dallas make the playoffs. I think Portland falls back. I think Colorado Rapids fall back. Both of those were playoff teams last year. Um, I think the Rapids have lost too much talent, plus Rapids history. They're great one year, and the following year they come back down, and, and they'll spend two or three years uh, towards the bottom, and then they'll pop up. I just think with Portland, that's – Portland's got a lot of drama going on yeah. off the pitch. They've lost the lost some uh, stars uh, from it. I just, you know, in Portland just maybe, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm discounting them just because of the drama uh, that's off the pitch, you know, for that here, which I think does play a part sometimes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they, how they deal with it. But those, those are my playoff teams. Um, you know, I actually, you know, my, my order, you have Nashville, Seattle, Sporting KC, LAFC, uh, Galaxy, Minnesota United, because I think Minnesota United's 
um, kind of like a a uh, a uh, FC Dallas where they're they're going to be consistently good, but they're not going to be a contender for playoffs. I think they're kind of in that mold right now where they'll they'll always contend for the playoffs for that here. Dynamo I have at ninth ahead of Rapids, uh, Salt Lake, Vancouver, San Jose, and then you know. Like I said, I have Austin, you know, in the bottom of the West, but not the wooden spoon. I think that's coming out of the East with, with Charlotte. But um, any any quibbles? Uh, I, I know you don't think Austin FC is going to finish last. I think you're, you're, you're leaning more Houston, um, at least between the Copa Teos teams. But any, any thoughts on my uh, order of the power rankings, uh, you know, for the West? No, I just appreciate that you've done your homework. I haven't done that homework yet for – uh, a it kicks off this week. Ranking. Come on, you got week one here. You know, <laughs> it goes live. Hey, preseason. It's, let's let's be fair and candid. I don't want to turn anybody off, but <laughs> it's really hard to get psyched about preseason MLS. Okay, and you right, can't but... really tell a whole lot about preseason MLS. We're all just kind of guessing at this point. Plus, um, you can't watch it nowadays either. But exactly. Um... So I, it's re- it is really difficult. I. Don't have many qualms with what you say. Obviously, the playoff teams, the one I might question would be the Galaxy. I'm not sure why you have them that high. Is there something I'm missing? I with just the think with the players that they brought in, they're going to be an improved team. And let's be honest, MLS can't have the LA Galaxy bad and can't have the Galaxy and LAFC both missing playoffs in my opinion in in back-to-back years so correct so i I think lafc will be there of the two that would be my pick i think i think the galaxy will and and to me you know i think outside of nashville seattle i think there's a clear break there sporting kansas city i i want to say solid but when you get four through eight portland dallas minnesota you know even the two la teams you could, you could throw a dart and, and you might be right. I just, you know, like I said here, I, I, I see a lot of people like MLS soccer, you know, uh, MLS soccer.com and they did their power rankings today. They had Portland pretty high and they had the Rapids pretty high, but to me, the Rapids. Have just I, I agree with you on both of those teams. I think they will both fall back. Uh, I don't know which one falls back far enough to be out of the playoffs would be the question. I could see Colorado getting in, Portland being out. Colorado's um, lost too much talent. True. I, think, I, I just I don't disagree. They have a great coach. Um, you know, everybody, you know, like, you know, the MLS, uh, MLSsoccer.com has them sixth um, in the league. But they've lost Cole Bassett, Kellen Acosta. Um, they're going to lose uh, Tristy in the summer. They don't have a DP despite having three spots, but they have Mark Anthony K, Jack Price, uh, Brian Acosta, and they signed a U22 Max as reinforcement. So they're saying, well, the midfield's going to be good. And I think the reason why they're doing it is because Robin Fraser is a, a good coach. But talent matters, you know, coaching matters, yes, but talent matters, you know, in, in the MLS, especially where it's not. As you mentioned, it's 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 a longer season. Um, mm-hmm. I believe there's a break. Um, I don't know. Is yeah, there's, this a year there's a break in June. The League's Cup. Yeah. Uh, so you've got open. There's cup. like a two week break in June, which threw me off when I saw the schedule. But yeah. 
that's what I, that's I just, for. I just don't. Uh... I just don't have it. And, and like I said, here, we'll touch base on the East real quick here. Just, you know, you can. You know, yeah, but let me, let me go through mine real quick because I don't okay. have a ranking order, but I basically agree with you, except that I don't know that I'm going to put galaxy in the playoffs. Who are you putting um, inside the galaxy? Well, that's, that's going to be the big question. So I, it, I would put in either Portland or Colorado. I think one of them makes it. One of those two. Um, one of those two. I'm not sure which one of the two. I think kind of like you said, it's a toss-up. Um, I think Austin will be sniffing around that eight or ninth spot is is where I would put them at the end of the season. So I'll go with a ninth place, which I think is where you had Houston. Yeah. So I'm just going to swap Houston and Austin on your on your list is kind of what I'm going to do. I'm going to put um, Austin around that ninth place because of it, kind of what you said, because of talent. I think the talent is much better than what I think you think the talent is in Austin. Probably. I, I may have some, I will, I'll fully admit on this podcast, I will not be a pro Austin uh I won't be cheerleading Austin. Uh, we'll, we'll, right. we'll say that that that'll be your role. Um, and, and let's see. Let's just say Houston Dynamo have not signed <laughs> Hector Herrera yet. They He's have not, not in Houston. <laughs> but I so, think even if they don't, I just think one of the two Texas outside of Dallas. I think one of the other two Texas teams is going to make a jump. Uh, you know, I, I made the argument for Dallas. You make the argument for Houston. You know, I have a hard time seeing all three Copa Teos teams being down at the bottom. I think we're both right. pretty confident Dallas will return back to its normal. I think one of the other two jump up to where they're going to be more competitive. It's just the odds are, you know, if you've got three right. teams, odds are you're going to have one that's going to be in the playoffs. You're going to have one that's sniffing around the playoffs, and you're going to have one currently on, on how they're constructed right now, hopefully three or four years from now. They're all, right. you know, battling for the playoffs, but currently rosters right now one i think is gonna one's gonna be unlucky you know get injuries you know fitness issues whatever you want to call it um for that year so and i just think talent wise with austin driussi is an absolute beast of a player i think he's but he doesn't play is he gonna do 90 minutes uh well there is a depth issue on the austin is gonna be the starter i'm sorry you said Maxi is going to be the starter. Yes, I think Maxi Uruti will be our starting striker. I, uh, I'm talking about uh, in midfield. I think Driussi. Oh, in midfield. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Driussi is an absolute stud designated player type in this league. I think he's going to be amazingly talented for Austin FC this season. And you didn't see him a whole lot last year because he came in toward the end, same time as Gite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he just got here and started a little bit sooner than Gite, but I think Driussi is going to be an amazingly talented player for us. I think Gite's got the talent. I think having that Gite Uruti rotation is going to be fine at striker. I'm not worried about that particular position. Um, I hate to say it this way, but I think, I mean, the problem is in the back. The problem with Austin is going to be defense can it hold up and 
we did not do anything with our goalkeeping. So the goalkeeping is the same thing. See, I, but, wanna, I know you have questions about the goalkeeper. Uh-huh. If there's one person <laughs> on Austin FC that I that I that I love, and that's Stewart. I just you know, and it might be just because I bought into it. You know, the stadium environment. I, I love him as a person. I think he's <laughs> a an average starting MLS keeper. I think there's a reason he went this far without being a starter. Um, and I don't think having a middle of the road starting MLS keeper is necessarily that bad. I think it's the combination of that and the back line. I think if you have that middle of the road keeper, you need a better line in front of them. If you have a great defensive line, if you have the Walker Zimmermans and that kind of talent in front of the keeper, then Brad Stuver is great. Um, I think it's that combination that's going to be a danger for Austin. But what I have to say, and I hate myself for saying this after last season, is I think the biggest factor in how Austin FC goes this season is going to be Cecilio Dominguez. (laughs) Did I just say that? Yes, I just said that. Okay. I think it's going to be Cecilio Dominguez. Is he a DP type player this season? Because last year he was not. So if he can make a step and play like he did, I will say like he did against Houston in preseason. And I know it was a preseason game, but he looked a million times better. And he did that a couple of times last season, a couple of games where he looked to be that designated type player. If he can do that more often than not this season, then I think Austin will be fine. And I think they will be sniffing around that nine spot. Houston, kind of like with Dallas, I think they are who they are and they'll be at the bottom. So that's kind of my West prediction. So we have it. We have to touch on it. The mint Jersey. Mm. You don't like the I, mint I jersey. Don't I'm like fine it. with the mint jersey. I'm totally okay with it. It's too plain. Where I'm okay the, with plain. Where is the creativity? Keep Austin weird. This is this is something I would expect to see from Houston. And I'm sorry, but Houston and was it they called it the Bayou uh kit there, yeah. the black with there. It blows it away. It just it's it's not even it's it's you know, you know. It's not even the same same ballpark. It just the mint the mint kit doesn't strike Austin to me. And I know it's the way kit, and we'll talk USL kits down the road because SAFC is going to come out. Uh, I guess some possibly this week uh, there was a teaser on it. You know, it's going to be black, um, which will be interesting. Mm-hmm. A black kit at home in San Antonio. I'm not sure that's uh, smart, but uh, <laughs> we'll, it's always the debate, right? We, we, we will we will see <laughs> so, austin's uh, is fairly black as well i mean the home kit is black shorts black socks and black and green stripe but with the birdie and, and like i said so we'll have to do kind of a kit a copa teos yeah. kit review on, on, a, on a future episode but as, as are... i told you i think off the air my big fear with the adidas kits is that they're always going to be hideously ugly so <laughs> i'm okay with bland and boring as long as it's not hideously ugly. And I think being the second season, the big fear around here in Austin was that it was going to be like a light blue sky blue color. That would have been just horrible just from a 
setting the brand and ingraining the it's all about verde it's all about green why would you have a blue kit so i'm okay at least it's green i hated the white kit i hate i those like plain the white, white kit tea. i thought it was clean yeah i'm not a big fan of the white so but the problem with the white kit is it it mirrored i think what every other kit in mls last year you know for, for the way kit that was the issue it, but if if it was a one-off i liked last year's kit better than this year's um, well but just, that was the issue they did white kits for every team in the league for two or three years before austin ever got one and austin's was exactly the same as everybody else's and so if you're going to talk plain and boring to me the white kit was plain and boring this one is at least not white it's a t-shirt my friend it's a t-shirt <laughs> with the badge that, that's it's... that's mint green and and uh, sure you know before i hear it but there was one other topic that you wanted to get out to, um, and I'll give you a couple of minutes uh, about Ashley Ashley Webb and her uh, discussion for the CONCACAF. Uh, she had dual citizenship uh, for the U.S. and El Salvador. Uh, from my understanding, well, not understanding, she did choose El Salvador um, for you know for that here. So I know you made mention that you wanted to kind of talk about uh, Miss Webb and kind of what um, kind of the decision behind that. Um, like I said here, I know getting into U.S. soccer just with the depth that they have, it's probably a little bit hard, a little bit harder. But you know, just going through here, I'm not saying she couldn't have made it um, because obviously she could. But we, we see this like Jose Gallegos, uh, you know, from San Antonio is now being recruit, you know, being discussed, uh, you know, for you know for Mexico that that dual national um, citizenship, Ochoa. You know, had to make the decision. Pepe had to make that decision. So, you know, can you kind of talk about number one for you know about Miss Webb here, and then number two, kind of your thoughts on how, how a player makes that decision? Yeah, I mean, we just can't go an episode of Kicking Grass without Concacaf. So we got to go Concacafing a little bit. And uh, I, when I saw her make her first start for El Salvador, I I know her as a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, again, with you as a dual national, I'm not sure if she would have been, shall we say, highly featured in the U.S. women's national team uh, pool. So I think as a dual national, that certainly must play into things um, in making that decision. So it, it really does go with, for many of these players, from what I understand, there's two tracks. One is what's the best career move. So like you say, if if you're a dual national, I know that uh, Arturo Alvarez did this. He played for the U.S. Uh, men through the youth program. But when it did not look like he was going to be significantly in line for much time with the U.S. men's national team, he made the switch and played for El Salvador. We've got the two um, – the – the brothers out of Seattle that um, we kind of got chafted on that. So uh, one place for the U S and one place for El Salvador. Right. So it's never a cut and dry. Some of it's going to be career. Some of it's going to be though the pure emotion of it. I don't know Ashley Webb personally, obviously I don't know everything that played into her decision-making, 
Uh, I just, it was good to see her in that game with El Salvador playing, um, even as a substitute, come onto the field and just make the impact that she did. I thought she did a great job out there. I want to wish her the best in her career. And um, yeah, I would love to know her decision process as well as to why she would choose El Salvador at that particular point in time. But I thought it has elevated her profile. So I think some of it has to be that. It has to be the career move of she will shine as a member of that Salvador El Salvador national team, whereas she might have gotten lost in the shuffle on the U.S. women's national team. I don't know what you think about that as far as a career perspective, but I imagine that had something to do with it. Yeah, I think getting into the U.S. women's national team, and we're seeing that right now, they're kind of cycling the roster, uh, moving out some of the, you know, the, the legends of the past couple of World Cups and, and, and going younger. Um, I don't know Ashley Webb and, you know, for that here, but um, to me, like said here, if you're one of those fringe candidate, fringe players where you have the talent to be in the discussion mm-hmm. to be, you know, and especially if you have the ability to play for uh, a country, you know, let's say you have your parents or grandparents um, and you know, Hey, I'm going to get time. I'm going to get minutes. How can you turn that down? Is the, you know, to me to be able to represent your country for that here, the other, the other thing that, and, and I know, you know, full disclosure, you're part of UWS, uh, you know, for that here with, with the Central Texas Hornets. What I found interesting is that Ashley and, and she has a teammate, uh, Alejandro uh, Cherno, uh, who plays in the UPSL for United City uh, International FC uh, for that here. So to me, that's that's one of those things where if, if you're a U.S. women's national team player, odds of you playing in the UPSL are probably not very high. Non-existent. You're, you're, <laughs> you're probably already on, on the map. But right. For, yeah. for El Salvador to be able to say, Hey, and, you know, Ashley, you know, had nine goals in four games and, and, you know, you know, I'm not sure that the quality of, of, of the league in UPSL, I know the UPSL here in Texas, uh, came and I guess they're still around um, because you know there's there's another San Antonio team that popped up in it. Um, yeah, they still on, exist on the men's side here. But to me, that that's what gets me excited with you know UWS uh, WPSL um, and hopefully coming soon um, um, USL W and but more important USL uh, Super League where you've got that that second division. Um, you know, uh, you know that that can complement uh, the NWSL to give players like Ashley and and let's be honest, uh, one of the biggest benefactors of the United States growing, you know, USL, MLS, um, you know, NISA along those lines, has been the other Concacaf leagues where you know how many Jamaicans are filtered across the United States or you know USL that are stars right. that 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 have played. You know, Junior Flemings went over to, to France. Um, has covered, you know, uh, has played for the national team. Um, but to be able to see, you know, on the women's game, to be able to see at least finally here in the United States that 
there's going to be an avenue for players to play. And I know you can speak to this, you know, um, where before, you know, five years ago, they didn't have that opportunity um, right. like they have today to where five years ago, Miss Webb may not have got, you know, the same notice as, you know, you know, the same opportunities as she has today. So um, to me, that's the best right. part about this story is, yeah, Ashley Webb is, is probably the big name. But the other part here is that there was another player on that team, you know, a midfielder that also, you know, got to play uh, down, down for El Salvador. And, and you find those uh, stories scattered all across lower league soccer. Right. Absolutely. Now, the other thing about Ashley Webb is from college, she kind of made the splash not only for playing career, but um, for being for lack of a better term, the whistleblower for some misogyny in some of the college programs that then kind of started a mudslide. Uh, and I wonder if that plays into any of the um, decisions for not playing more in the United States. I don't know that. I'm just speculating. But uh, certainly I applaud her for doing that. I'm not sure how um, how much less misogyny there is in the El Salvador national team than there would be here. So I just uh, want to commend her for what she has done. Keep up the good fight. Keep up the good career. And I wish her the best in the international arena. So in keeping with CONCACAF, there is one that we have to talk about as well here. So MLS in the CONCACAF Champions League, New York won away uh, 2-0 against uh, Santos uh, de Gapilas. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. So they're pretty comfortable advancing. Uh, Colorado needs a goal. Uh, they play at home tomorrow against uh, uh, Communications uh, for that here. Montreal's down a goal to Santos Laguna uh, for that here. Leon's, uh, they're going to advance through. Um, yeah. And Seattle, uh, the other MLS team is 0-0. But the one I, I want to ask you about. One. Seattle played Marathon in, in Honduras and right. exciting 0-0 tie, yeah. But I, I feel comfortable with them advancing because they're coming back home. I think Colorado can come back home and 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 get, you know, advance as well. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, would it I'm, I'm sorry, I might have misspoke. Know? They played Motagua. Yeah, I, Motagua. I might have said Marathon. They played Motagua. Yeah. And then that zero zero tie. But the one that I want to point out is New England Revolution. We're playing <laughs> Calvary. And Calvary, because they couldn't get visas in, had into the United States, had to forfeit. So number one, and I know you kind of deal with visas a, 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 you know, in your line of work. Yeah. My questionnaire is why couldn't New England travel down and play them there? Let's say if they won 4-0, they lose the 0-3 because that's what a forfeit score is. So they already know they're down three goals. Why couldn't they have played that first leg as opposed to a straight cancel? Why couldn't they have done that? I don't see any reason why they couldn't have done that. It just seems odd to me that, and, and you know, it just seems odd that, hey, we can't play, you know, because they can't come to the United States, they can't play so if they take the zero you know zero you know and, and i'm not sure if it's in the rules or what where you have to play both matches but say you take 
you know, the, the standard forfeit zero three zero three loss. Do I think New England was going to lose by three goals or more down away? No, but at least that would have gave the teams an opportunity to play. Number two, they would have gave TV money to MLS, which you know, you know, it's on Fox Sports Two. I'm watching the the Leon match um, as we speak right now. Um, you know, for that here, it would have gave them it would have gave them that that TV you know TV viewage. I just thought that was kind of very CONCACAF as well, um, saying, hey, just because they can't come to the United States, you don't get to play at all. That That is the actual answer. Is It's CONCACAF. That <laughs> is what happens in CONCACAF after all. But uh, I'm kind of with you. I mean, there's no logistical reason they couldn't have gone down and played that match that I'm aware of. I do imagine there is a rule that both legs have to be played home and away. Mm-hmm. Um but again, with the forfeit in place, I don't see why that could not have happened. I suspect uh, MLS slash New England Revolution didn't want to. That's my guess. So, but there's so final thought. So my final thought actually has to do with the striker Texas. Um, if you follow me on on Twitter, you'll know I kind of had a personal gripe with them. Um, and is this going to count as our USL talk for the day as well? Sure, this could be our USL talk just because <laughs> it's pre early preseason in USL, so there's no really any reason to discuss, uh, you know, unless you want to talk about, hey, RGV start, uh, finally starting to put together its roster less than a month before, uh, you know, we play games. We'll, but, we'll do USL Copa Tejas predictions coming up soon. But, um, okay, take it away with your striker comments. So. My biggest issue with the Striker Texas is they had the Texas Soccer Summit, which is a great idea. You know, they, they had panels, and the, the first one that kicked off was the Texas Soccer Summit, Copa Teos, and Soccer Rivalries. The host was Kit McConico, so Austin. Uh, I guess he has some ties with the Bold, but, you know, he was the announcer for the Bold. Um, but from my understanding, he's, he's a pro-Austin guy. Victor Ariza from um, the uh, from covering Houston and you know you know one of the best in following uh, Houston Dynamo and Houston soccer in general you know and just to me I enjoy his writings along those lines. Uh, Sunny uh, Austin, you know, bold. Um, I don't know. He, I guess he really hasn't had no affiliations with Austin FC yet, right? No, um, neither is Kit McConico actually, but they were both bold people. But, and then they had Rodrigo uh, Rodriguez Laren, um, who is, uh, you know, part of um, one of the Austin supporters groups uh, along those lines. My issue is, is, and, and I guess this is, you know, where maybe I need to recalibrate with the striker Texas. The conversation was very MLS-ish, um, you know, very, you know, Dynamo, Austin FC, uh, FC, FC Dallas. Kit, I think, mentioned USL a couple times, saying, hey, that's how it started, you know, along those lines. And, and this is no offense, you know, to, uh, you know, Regal, uh, Rodriguez Lara. You know, to me, I, number one, I wish they would have had either Steve or Danielle from Copa Teos on there. Or number two, have somebody like Edson or Jonathan or somebody that covers USL that's been part of Copa Teos. Uh, you know, for that here, because you had Victor, um, 
you know, through there, you had Sonny, you know, from, from the player side, talking about the rivalries on it, uh, Kit from the media, but just the whole conversation was just very, very MLS-ish, and Copa Teos isn't, isn't MLS, it's, it's for all of Texas. Um, you know, and, and then the next, you know, summit they had was, uh, was, you know, talked about, you know, you know, in depth into supporters cultures. And, and once again, you know, it was MLS, you know, supporters, nothing, you know, from the, uh, you know, USL supporter groups or anything along those lines here. So I'm taking a break from the striker tech, Texas, <laughs> Texas at this point here. Where, oh, no. uh, You're going to get just, me in trouble here, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still subscribe to him. Um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'll still follow him. Just, just taking a break social media wise uh, from, from, you know, helping to promote and, and stuff like that. Just because I think, I just think if you're talking Copa Teos, it can't just be about MLS because that's number one. Copa Teos wasn't founded by MLS. They've kind of adopted it since there's three teams. Yes, but Copa Teos is more than just MLS and and. I think for me, you know, the, the biggest thing is is I just I felt disappointed that the striker Texas dropped the ball um, with 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 how they how how they how they presented it. Um, you know, the the panels on USL one was well, USL's new leaders uh, help inspire the next generation of women's players, which is outstanding. Um, and then the other one was how do you grieve a soccer team? You know, why do they come and go? And then you know. You know that that's you know, in my opinion, a shot at and unfortunately the, the the Austin Bold and 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 other franchises, especially lower league here, that that feel it here. So um, well, we can have that conversation one day between the two of us if you want. Yeah. So it just to, to me for the striker Texas, you got to if you're gonna say you're uh, for all you're covering all of soccer, especially when it comes to Copa Teos. You gotta have equal representation between USL and and, and MLS. Um, and, and like I said here, to me, um, Rodrigo was like was great on the show, but to me, like I said here, you could have easily had a USL representative to kind of talk about it from that aspect, and it would have it, to me it would have added more to the show. And number two. Covering more in USL will help grow that USL fan base. Um, to me, the, the biggest complaint that I hear about the Striker Texas is number one, it's a little Austin heavy, and number two, um, it's MLS heavy, especially if you're talking about you know you know people in in the lower league. So, um, just food for thought. Like I said here, I'm sure after this week here, I'll, I'll be back you know helping promote it and stuff like that, but. I have uh, taken a break from this trip to Texas <laughs> uh, for at least a week or so. I put my I put myself in timeout so that way I don't say something that I can't take back. So, well, lines, I can so. I can offer my two cents on the topic because I, coming from an MLS perspective, I don't know that they need to give equal time between MLS and USL, but certainly they shouldn't exclude USL especially when MLS gives you Austin, Dallas, and Houston, but USL adds San Antonio, RGV, and El Paso to the mix. Why wouldn't you want to do that? That, that doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't bring in some USL representation in that discussion of Copa Texas. It's, it's still a big deal. Now, 
losing True. the bold will be an interesting dynamic this year. Um, and, and because El Paso still in it, yes, but El Paso is eight, eight hours away. Um, right. But when it was bold, San Antonio and RGV, those were all drivable distance. You know, it was, you know, you know, four, four or five hours, depending on if you're, you know, you know, where you're going and, and traffic. You're losing that aspect, you know, you're losing that third team and, and supposedly next year Fort Worth comes back, you know, on here. So, you know, we'll have the four, uh, four team, you know, four teams back in, in Texas here. So. Yeah. But Fort Worth to RGV is not really a drivable distance anymore. Uh, no, but. Who wants so to go you, to RGV you do lose that aspect. Yeah, I, I get that. I just don't. Um, I would love if everybody could just, why can't we just all get along? Why don't they do the preseason tournament with USL and MLS Texas teams? They sort of teased us with it a little bit last year, and then there's no mention of it again. And I, I would love to see that as something that could be instituted for Texas between MLS and USL? Well, I think what makes that hard is MLS starts, what, two weeks before uh, before uh, USL? Because we don't start till the 12, so you guys are starting this weekend. So it's, what, two, two weeks? Two weeks? Yeah, so San Antonio played Dallas and just, yeah, they, they were – they were walked off the park. And I think part of it is San Antonio had just got into camp. That week that they started camp was the week of the freeze. So those, what, two or three days that they would normally have, um, they don't have it. And let's be honest, the the San Antonio, you know, USL teams don't have indoor locations that they can go practice. I think like some MLS teams do uh, right. for that here. So, you know, if, if, if it's too cold for practice, you know, it may be, hey, you know, in the classroom or, you know, you know, you know, in the, in the gym, but you're not out on the pitch typically in that type of weather. Uh, if you can get to there just for the fact, cause anyone in San Antonio that, you know, they were asking people to stay home. And I think that was the same up in, up in Austin as well. Yes. Uh, for that here. So to me, like I said here, you, you'd almost have to have it that last weekend before MLS kicks off. Um, but to me, I don't understand if you can't have a tournament, have the two winners face off, you know, El Paso versus FC Dallas. How hard would have that have, have been able to put together? Um, hell, El, pa El Paso just played New England Revolution in Boston today because, you know, of the CONCACAF uh, Champions League being canceled. But, you know, they, you know, El Paso stepped in to play them um, for that here. So it, it'll be, it'll be a, uh, it, it it's something that should happen and i think especially if you put it on a weekend um you know let's say if you put it in, in austin which is i guess kind of middle of the road or here in san antonio or you know kind of a mixture you could have a weekend and and you know hell you could have the striker texas texas summit right there with people you know uh you know live you know you know live panels and and people in person and you, know, you could have all the you know, Texas supporters get together and, and kind of build things along those lines. But San Antonio didn't play Austin this year, didn't play uh, RGV this year. We will play El Paso, uh, I think, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend, but it's closed door, so nobody gets to see it. 
We played mm -hmm. FC Dallas. We played the Dynamo too uh, this past weekend. So, but it's <laughs> just that. There is that. So, and next next year will be interesting because uh, um, Austin FC will be uh, introducing a second team into uh, MLS Next Pro who announced, I guess this week they're going to finally announce their schedule, even though it was supposed to have been announced by the end of January. Uh, but this is MLS, and you know we know that they get special uh, accommodations uh, for that here. So they're going to announce theirs, and they did announce that for MLS Next Pro, uh, that the television or the how to watch the games is going to be on the MLS Next Pro uh, page there. So it's going to be local. It's not even going to be on Eleven Sports or you know YouTube or anything along those lines. It's not going to be on ESPN Plus, which I was kind of surprised about, you know, especially with MLS yeah. connections. But um, I think I think we both know the reason why is uh, the uh, cost to put the production on an ESPN level is higher than saying, "Hey, I'm just going to put it on a uh, on the on the internet page of MLS Next." So I'm not sure the quality will be very very good, but. We're an hour and a half in, um, you know, and I know there's going to be a little bit that you're going to have to edit out here. Any final thoughts that you had? Uh, you know, I took uh, mine uh, with the Striker Texas, hoping that uh, next year if they do a Copa Tejas panel, which I think they should, um, you know, inc include the two winners, you know, and, and somebody else and, and talk about that way it gives equal representation. But uh, your final thoughts? I just want everybody to go out and try to support the game. Let's get this season going and back to normal. It has been a bad run the last couple of years for us soccer fans to go out and watch games and have it feel like it's felt in years prior. I'm just hoping we get back to that this year. Um, so go out and support your team, be safe, but go out and, and, and just do your best to cheer on, go to the stadiums, it's great to get out and have that camaraderie going. There's nothing like a live soccer event. We will be bringing you here at Kicking Grass coverage from around multiple leagues, lower league soccer as well. We'll be on all kinds of topics. So we just want to get the soccer going and get back to normal. All right. In the show, David, like I said, it was a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I know UWS, uh, you know, the league that, you, you know, your girls team plays in. Uh, announced the West schedule this week uh, today here. So hopefully soon for the Southwest and the Central Texas Hornets, uh, we will um, be able to I suspect there will be a bit of a delay on the Southwest conference, but we'll uh, see how that goes in the next week or two. Please don't say that. So we will, I guess we'll have to wait uh, for that here, but uh, go ahead and get us out of here, David. Like I said here, always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, Rob, we need to have you on. Uh, we got some bold conversations to have, right? We've got lots of bold conversations. I think that's why Rob's not on, but we'll see if we can <laughs> twist the knife and get him back on here. But uh, I thank everybody who's listening to us and uh, stay tuned. We're going to bring it, try to bring this to you every week and hope to see you next week. And thanks for listening. And thanks Harry for jumping on and being my co-host. No worries, David.